This is Safety Bri, your number one safety geek. Why do we have the behaviors that we do? Superheroes in the workplace, right? All of those things that go into making you an effective safety manager. I love what we do. Motivation, learning, teaching, training, teamwork. I I geek out over that just as much as I do safety. Hello, 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 my safety friends. Welcome to the Safety Geek Podcast. This is Bri. How are you? I love talking to you guys. I never really get to talk to too many safety people. Um, you know, you, you talk to them online and when you go to conferences and stuff like that. But in general, a lot of us just kind of work alone and we're in our own little bubble of businesses that just have like one safety person. If you're lucky, you have like a corporation, so that way you have some connections with some other people. So you kind of have to like go out there and and really do the networking and to get to other safety people to talk to. So this past week, I went to a conference. It was a business conference. It was not a safety conference. And that's kind of, people would ask me what I did and I would tell them and nobody would understand (laughs) So it was kind of strange. I did actually find one person who was an ISO trainer. And I was like, ah, let me hug you because you're my people. So that's kind of what I felt like with you guys when I sit down to record this podcast. I'm like, I'm talking to my safety friends. I love it. But um, the thing I wanted to share with you about the conference was that I took tons of notes. It was an amazing conference. If you know Rachel Hollis, she's kind of like the female version of Tony Robbins. She was speaking. I'm actually going to see her speak again in a couple more weeks too. But I love business conferences. There's a lot of excitement and things like that. I took tons and tons of notes. I literally went through an entire legal pad of notes. And I'm sure you do the same thing when you go to your conferences. But here's a tip for you. Every night, because it was a three-day conference, Every night I went back to my room and I reviewed my notes and I read through them again. I kind of made little notes on the sideline sides and things like that and added to them and different thoughts I had, different ideas that I had that came to my head. But now that I am back home, I don't want to forget all of those great ideas. So I took those notes and I rewrote them. Now, you can rewrite them digitally if you want to be able to find them. You could probably do that. But I have value in actually pen to paper. It gets it into my brain a lot um, quicker. So I I rewrote and reorganized my notes. So I put them into different sections because a lot of the stuff might be the same, even though they were different speakers. But it's a great thing to do when you get back from a conference. Another thing I like to do when I'm working for an employer is that when I come back from a conference that they paid for, I create a presentation of my notes and I email it to the entire management team. I don't make them sit through me telling them the presentation. I I make myself available to answer questions, but I give them my notes in like a PowerPoint format so they can quickly click through and maybe even um, look at the notes section of the PowerPoint. So that way I'm showing my employer, I got value from this money you invested in me to send me to this conference. And then not only did I get value, I'm sharing that value with the entire management team as well. But I thought that that was an interesting tip to share because I rewrote my notes and it really helped me a ton. And then from those, from the rewriting, I created a to-do list of things that I'm going to knock out over the next two to three weeks 
So that way I'm taking what I learned from the conference and actually applying it. And one of the best comments I heard too was that knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. So a lot of times we gain all this knowledge, but we don't do anything with it. So it's, you got to make sure that you apply the things that you learn when you go to these seminars or conferences or workshops or whatever it is that you do. You actually want to apply it because that's where not only do you gain, you know, clarity on what you're doing and get the practice of what you do, what you do. It's one of the best ways to really internalize that information. So, there's my quick tip for you for today. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But anyway, that's what I did last week. I hope your week was just as exciting as mine was. I did spend it in San Diego, which was awesome. Beautiful weather out there. It was a chilly week. And then I came home and the weather was still cold here too. So anyway, let's not talk about the weather. I could talk about it forever. So let's talk about what we are talking about today, which is different ways to use a job hazard analysis. Now, in this episode, I'm not going to go through how to write a JHA or what a JHA is. Um, I just want to focus on how you can actually use them because they are living documents and they are something that should be an active in active use within your facility. it should. I hate it when I see JHAs with dust on them. I'm like, you're not using them. They're like the most valuable thing that you have in your facility. So that's what we're going to focus on. Um, I call them a job hazard analysis. Some people call them a job safety analysis. Either way, you know, yang, yang, whatever. It's whatever you want to call it. That's perfectly fine. What it basically is, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, is that it breaks a job task down into steps. And then for every step, it associates the hazards with those steps. And then in the last column, we talk about how to mitigate those hazards that are um involved in every step. So that's what a JHA is. Now the common uses, most of the time, the way that organizations use these tools is they use them in their training. So it's how they train people how to do the job. And then they may use them in a pre-operation review. So before you actually do the task, especially if you're in a high hazard type of field, you're some of people are required to do a JHA before they even do the task or required to review the JHA before they do the task. That's fine. So that's the common usage of them. But I will tell you, you can do so much more with a JHA. Um, I use them. I What I like to say is that my JHAs are on steroids. I really take that one document and I add to it and I make it as robust and inclusive as possible. So things that I include in my JHA are... Um, the equipment needed to do the task. So I actually, even though it's in the steps, I pull it out and I create a section that says, this is the equipment that you need. And then I pull out whatever training is needed from the mitigation of hazards. And I go, this is the training that's needed. Same thing with PPE. And then I also link it to applicable regulations because you guys know, right? Everything we say, there's somebody out there that's going to say, show me the regulation. So right on the JHA, you can actually link the regulation numbers as well. So that way, you know, it's very robust right in the beginning. So when you're first looking at that JHA, you know, before I can even do this job, I need this equipment, I need this training, I need this PPE. And if I have any questions, these are the regulations I can go read that are related to this JHA, right? After the task section, I also add in a section for ergonomics. So 
I love to do an ergonomics evaluation associated with my JHA. So this is not only, you know, the tasks that are involved, but it breaks down like how much are they lifting? How far are they carrying it? You know, you can do the whole uh, NIOSH lifting equation. You can put all those steps in there, like how far away from the body are they lifting it from? How To what height are they lifting it, right? How often are they working above their shoulders? And for how many hours during the task? So I'll take that task and I'll say, well, the whole task takes, you know, four hours to do. And if 50% of the time they're lifting it above their shoulders, that's going to be, you know, a frequent use of lifting above the shoulders. I track neck motions. I track, you know, how they're using their hands. Is it like grasping or is it like a fine motor skill? Are they having to apply pressure and hold on to things? So I, I break that ergonomics down into everything. How much are they pushing? How much are they pulling? Are they twisting? Are they squatting? Are they kneeling? Are they sitting? Are they standing? All of those things. And then I say it is occasional or or it's rarely, it's occasional, it's frequent or it's constant. So that way I can kind of have a judgment as to how often they're doing those movements. So I break all that ergonomics in there. My next section is the environment. What kind of environment are they doing this task in? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it dirty? Is it clean? Is there noise around? What type of machinery is in the environment? What type of chemicals are in the environment? So I list all of that too. So that way I can get a really good picture about the environment that they're, that they're in. And then I get on to physical requirements of the job, right? So are they required to be standing to do this job? Yes or no, you know, that type of question. So this helps you with the ADA stuff, which is the American Disabilities Act. It helps you with that kind of stuff. So you can actually look at and examine the physical requirements that are are necessary, not helpful or useful, but like, I can't do this job unless I can stand up. I can't do this job unless I can speak English. I can't do this job unless I have such and such degree or whatever, right? Or training or anything like that. So when I do my JHA, it is on steroids. It's going through all of these different steps. So it's not just a basic JHA that's breaking down the hazards of, I love the one OSHA always uses in their training, how to plant a tree. (laughs) right? It's going to break down every part of how to plant a tree, the ergonomics, the physical requirements, the environment. Is it raining? You know, what's the chance of rain? You can do all of that too. So when you have an extremely robust JHA like that, there are so many things you can do with it. Because you might be thinking to yourself, Bri, why are you putting in all of this extra work? So there are reasons why I do it. Like, A lot of facilities actually require an ergonomics evaluation, especially if you're in the type of operation where OSHA's already targeted you. I'm coming from a meat processing background, and there is a poultry processing uh, document out there that OSHA follows, 
and it's got a ton of ergonomics in it. So me having an ergonomics evaluation is extremely important because even though it is beef processing, they will use the poultry processing as a reference. So look at like what your regulatory bodies have out there that they're using as their tools. And if they have ergonomics in there, then you've got to have an ergonomics evaluation. And I don't believe in doing double work. If I'm already doing a JHA, I might as well add in the ergonomics evaluation at the same time. So I'm, I'm an efficiency junkie. So I try to look at where I can combine things together. Right. And JHAs are a great way to do that because it's not only your department, it's the quality department and the operations department that need efficiencies as well. So the JHA helps you do that too. So, okay. So there you go. You've got my JHA. It's on steroids. You already think I'm crazy. I know that. So the next step is what are we going to do with it? The very first thing you're going to do with that JHA is adjust your job descriptions to match it, right? So you're hiring a worker that you know is going to have to do these 10 job tasks. You can take all those JHAs for those 10 job tasks and combine them into one physical requirement, one environmental requirement, all the training that's needed to do that job, all the experience that might be needed to do that job. You can really fine tune that job description. And this becomes amazingly useful um, for the HR department when they are trying to hire because they can actually see and see the justification for those physical requirements. All right. The next thing I'm going to use it for is light duty assignments. So when you have a worker who has been injured on the job or injured off the job and you're bringing them into the workplace to work and they are on medical restrictions, you can easily see whether or not they meet the ergonomics requirements or the physical or the environmental requirements based on their restrictions. So if somebody says they have to sit 15 minutes every hour, you can look at that job task and say, well, how much standing is actually required? Can they do the job? So this can help you both ways. This can help you find tasks that light duty people can do, but it can also justify when you don't want that light duty person working in that task, right? Because you can say, I've had employers do that to me too, and I'm not a fan of it, but they're like, I really don't want light duty people in my workplace, this can help justify that too. So when you've done this very complete evaluation using your JHA, it gives you that as well. So it helps you determine. The other thing I like to determine with my light duty people is whether or not they can do the task on narcotics. So a lot of times you'll get somebody who's injured on the job and they're on pain meds. So I don't necessarily want them doing tasks where if they were high on drugs that they can injure themselves or others. So you can look at your your JHAs and look at all the physical requirements and everything going on going, hmm, can this job be done on drugs? I know that sounds funny. I know it does. But that is the way I always looked at it. It's like, can this job be done on drugs? Hmm, <laughs> you know? And I'd always have a handful of light duty jobs that would allow people to uh, be on narcotics while they were working, you know, if it was prescription. So it was generally not around any machinery or anything like that. And I'd have tasks for them. Usually it's organizing the SDSs, but still. Okay. The other thing is that it helps you determine restricted duty. So on your OSHA log, if you're in the United States, there is um, 
what is called a DART rate, which is days away restricted time. And you have to determine whether or not the physical restrictions that the doctor puts on an injured worker restrict their normal job functions. And one of the errors that I see a lot is that people think automatically if the doctor gives restrictions, that's a DART claim. And that's not necessarily true. If that doctor says, well, they can't lift more than 20 pounds, but their job only requires them to lift 15 pounds, that's not a DART. And having a really robust JHA allows you to make that determination. So I've seen this a lot where people make that mistake. So it really lets you see, is this affecting a normal routine job function, which is something they do every single week? Or is it Or is this job task that they can't do a non-routine, something that they do less than once a week, right? Because there is like, if it's less than once a week, it's not a dart, okay? I also use my JHAs to create observation forms. So I take that task broken down and so the way that the form generally work, looks is that you have certain, co- you have columns. I've seen them with mo- more columns than just three, but you can you can add to it. But anyway, you take those columns. So the column one is the job task broken down into steps. Column two is the hazards. And then column three is how you mitigate those hazards. So you can add another column right there on your JHA and do an observation that just says yes or no, they followed the steps. This is so powerful because then you can say, I'm going to observe your work, right? It's a training opportunity. It's a coaching opportunity. You're using the form that they were trained on that lays it out for you already. So you already know what to look for. And it could be as simple as five steps. It could be as complicated as 50 steps, right? Whatever it happens to be, but you watch them do the job and then you you mark whether or not they followed it. And I love to watch them do the job over and over again and use a tally system. So I can say, I watched you do the task 10 times, eight times you followed it, and two times you didn't. So you're at 80% compliance. And then after you do that observation, you can sit down and coach that employee of what you saw that they were doing amazingly well, where they were hitting the mark every time, and where some improvements can be made. And when you have that coaching session, you can say, I saw that you didn't follow this step in the JHA. Instead of slapping their hand for it, this is a great time to review your JHA and say, hey, why weren't you following it? Have things changed in the system? Do you have a more efficient way of doing it? Let, let's adjust our JHA if needed. So this gives you that opportunity. And sometimes the employee just wasn't following it just because they don't want to follow it. You know, that's a whole nother baby. But anyway, I love to take that as an opportunity. And when you use this as an observation form, this is, this is the good, I told you, I love efficiency, guys. This is a good, good little nugget here. When you use your JHA as an observation form, you are technically reviewing your JHA every single time you do it. So just change that update date and you don't have to do annual reviews of your JHA. There you go. Little time saving tip there. Okay, and the last thing that I use it for is as an ergonomics evaluation, which I already told you I went into that um, in, pr- in pretty detail how I do that. But there are industries that it's required that they have an ergonomics evaluation. So you can use it for that. So now it's just all in one document. So I might copy the JHA and throw it into my ergonomics book 
or I'll copy that part of the JHA and throw it into the ergonomics book. And then you can take all those ergonomics sections and kind of create like a model of this is the type of work that we do within our facility. So lots of different things that you can do with your JHA. Don't stop at just using it for the safety stuff. I mean, not the ergonomics and physical requirements aren't safety either, but don't stop it like, hey, I'm doing the job. Let me just review the tasks and how to do it safely and move on. Add to your JHA and use it as a more robust form. I love it when you're using it for an observation report. That's like the best thing ever. So, all righty, folks, that is all that I have for you this week. A shorter episode. I owed it to you since last week was so long. Um, If you have any questions, make sure that you shoot them to me. I love hearing from you guys. And make sure that you hop on my email list. I don't know if you missed it last week, but I did announce that I am starting to share my document library to my email list. So I'm trying to clean out my document library. I got a lot of old stuff in there. And when I find some good stuff, I'm going to share it with you guys. And the easiest way for me to do that is through the email. So make sure you get on my email list. That would be asksafetygeek.com forward slash five ways. And that will also get you this nifty document called the five ways to make employees crazy for safety, which is getting some pretty amazing reviews. So I think you'll enjoy that too. So until next week, you have a safe day and I will chat with you later. Bye-bye. Check out the show notes and links for this week's show at www.asksafetygeek.com. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. There are occasional bonus episodes that I don't always advertise and you won't want to miss them. Hey, one more favor. Leave a review on that app too. It helps others find the show. Thanks. I really appreciate it and can't wait to talk to you next week.